appreciate all the family members of the folks that were baptized that uh, came out today. We're thrilled to have you here. want to extend a special welcome to you folks. Thanks for being here this morning. Uh, thank you for marking the importance of what took place today. Uh, what we did this morning or have been doing this morning in carrying out the ordinance of believers' baptism is a matter of tremendous importance. We uh, may not read about it in the area newspapers. We probably won't go viral on the Internet with any announcement about it. But it is a matter of tremendous importance to God, to God's people, and to God's church. And this morning we want to take a little bit of time to look at four ways in which believers' baptism is, is of great importance as we open up the Scriptures and see what the Bible has to say. First of all, we find that the matter of believers' baptism is important because it is an important step of obedience to Jesus Christ. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, in the last part of that chapter, Jesus gave the apostles what commonly is called the Great Commission, what they were supposed to do after he ascended to heaven and left them behind. Uh, it says in verse 18, Then Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. This is Jesus following the crucifixion, following the resurrection, and uh, just before, before his ascension into glory, and he gives the uh, great commission to the apostles, and he commands them to do three things in particular. He tells them to go out and make disciples of him, disciples of Christ throughout all the world. When Christ died on the cross, he died not just for Israel, not just for the Middle East, he didn't just die for one race, but he died for people of all the nations of all the world. And I am thankful to, to the Lord that those apostles took that message seriously and that, that gospel message made it over to the United States of America so that I could hear it and I could hear that Christ died for my sins and that through him I can have forgiveness, I can have eternal life. So this command is to make disciples of all the nations, make disciples through all the world. Then he said, following that, when they become a disciple, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then following that, he says, after that, continue to teach them to observe all things that I've commanded you. This is a command of Jesus Christ, the one who said, I have all authority in heaven, on earth. The one who demonstrated his identity and his power and his authority by raising, being raised from the dead on the third day after his crucifixion, and he gave the command to his followers, make disciples, baptize them, keep teaching them. As you open up the book of Acts, you find out that the apostles took that command seriously, and they followed through on that. In Acts chapter 2, we find that Peter preaches a, a sermon about who Jesus is on, on that day of Pentecost, and uh, emphasizes the fact that he really is the Messiah, he's the risen Savior. And the response of the people is, well, what shall we, what should we do? How do we respond to that? And Peter says, you need to repent, and you need to be baptized in connection with the remission of your sins, and God will give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. You go down a few verses later in that same chapter, in verse 41, 
And it says, those that gladly received his word. Those that gladly received the gospel message. Those that believed it. Those that believed they really were sinners in need of a Savior. Those who believed that Jesus really was the only Savior God provided and put their trust in Christ. It says, those who received the word were baptized and added to the church. The command of Christ. Make disciples, baptize them, keep teaching them. What did the apostles do? They made disciples. When they became disciples, they baptized them. Then they continued to teach them within the church. And today, as we carried out this ordinance of believers' baptism, it's a matter of of obedience for us as a church, for me as a pastor. I have the responsibility to teach people about baptism. It's, It's not just about people getting saved. That's important. But the Bible also talks about being willing to publicly identify with Jesus Christ through believer's baptism. And that, that's my responsibility as a church. I would have to give an account to God one of these days. Did you teach people that they needed to become disciples? Did you teach people they needed to trust Jesus as their own Lord and Savior? Did you teach people that after they trusted Christ, they needed to take that step of public obedience in being baptized. And someday I'll have to ask the, answer those questions to the Lord. And God willing, I'll be able to say, Lord, I did it faithfully, the best of my ability. And our church will have to give an account that, that we stand for, for the job of getting out the gospel of Christ. And when people came to know Christ, did, did we teach them about baptism? And did we give them opportunities to be baptized? And did we go ahead and observe that ordinance that Jesus commanded? And I pray that uh, when Jesus comes, he'll find us still faithful as First Baptist Church of Carroll, still preaching the gospel, still baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is also a matter of obedience for individual believers. And when you become a Christian, Jesus said that you need to be willing to publicly identify with him. He said, if we will confess him before men, he'll confess us before the Father. If we deny him before men, he'll deny us by the Father. There's something wrong with a Christian that's ashamed of Jesus. Jesus died on the cross at Calvary publicly for our sins. You think about the humiliation and the shame that he went through there. And uh, there's something wrong when a Christian is not willing to publicly say, yeah, Christ is my Savior. I'm trusting him and him alone to get me into heaven. I'm going to live my life for the Lord Jesus. Every individual believer has that responsibility to take that step of believer's baptism. As you go through the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament, you see no such thing as an unbaptized believer. When people got saved, they got baptized. Now, I realize there's a lot of confusion in the church world today over what baptism is. But uh, I'll tell you what, it's certainly worth your while if you're a Christian to study the Word of God, find out what it says about baptism, and to be obedient to what the Bible teaches about baptism. And if you're not sure you're a Christian this morning, I encourage you to get into the Bible, find out what the Bible teaches about how we can be forgiven, how we can experience the grace of Almighty God. So we find, first of all, baptism is an important step of obedience to Jesus Christ. Secondly, it is an important symbol of the salvation that we have in Christ. In the book of Romans, chapter 6, we get a glimpse of what the symbolism of baptism is all about. 
know, whether it's spirit baptism or also symbolized here by water baptism. In Romans chapter 6, verse 3 says, Do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Salvation is all about coming into a connection with Jesus Christ. It's all about coming into a union with Christ. It's all about having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Salvation is not joining the church. Salvation is not going through baptism. Salvation is all about coming into a connection with Christ. You see, the Bible teaches us that when he died on the cross at Calvary, he died for our sins. There was nothing that Jesus ever did wrong that required him to experience the death penalty from God. But he willingly took our sins upon himself as he hung Calvary's cross and experienced the punishment of Almighty God that you and I deserve. You see, the Bible tells us we're all sinners. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Anybody here this morning thinking you're going to get to heaven because of what a good person you are, that is so far from what the Bible teaches, it's not even funny. We, none of us can get there on our own. One sin would be enough to keep us out of heaven. And we've committed a whole lot more sins than that. We've all sinned and fallen far short of God's standard, which if you're going to get to heaven, you're going to have to, on your own works, you're going to have to be absolutely perfect. Nobody here qualifies. There's only one perfect person that's ever walked the sands of this earth, and that's the God-man, Jesus Christ. And, and he died on the cross taking our sins upon himself. He paid our penalty when he died on the cross. He paid our penalty. He took our place. He died for us. He is our substitute. And we can thank God for that. And, and salvation is coming into a relationship with him where we trust him and the, the, the provision he made as he died on that cross is our substitute. And, and we, we, he gets our sin as he dies on the cross. And, and we get something from him. We get his righteousness. When we put our trust in Christ to be our own personal Lord and Savior, we get his righteousness so that when God sees us, he sees us shrouded in, in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And that's the only way we can have any hope of ever spending eternity with God in heaven is as we have the righteousness of Christ. None of us are righteous enough. So we find in salvation, it's all about a union with Jesus, a connection. with He gets our sin. We get his righteousness. That is the most unfair trade that has ever taken place in human history. He gets our sin. We get his righteousness. By the way, that's not justice. That's not fairness. You know what that is? That's grace. That's grace. And our salvation is by grace through faith. God gives us an undeserved gift of forgiveness and eternal life and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And that union doesn't begin at baptism. It did not begin for these five individuals today. Uh, if somebody's not a Christian, going through baptism just gets them wet. 
Uh, that salvation has to take place before you make that public testimony through believer's baptism. It's important to recognize that. It's a picture of a union that begins at a time of repentance towards sin. You know, it's one thing to know that we're sinners. It's another thing to take that sin seriously. I, I've talked with some folks. I've said, yeah, I'm a sinner, but, you know, what's the big deal? Everybody is. Everybody is. We're all in the same boat. Well, that's true, but it's a sinking boat. And it's a boat that's sinking right into the depths of hell. And to, to be, have one sin against us before a righteous and holy God is an extremely horrible situation to be in. Back in the Garden of Eden, God put Adam and Eve in a perfect situation. And they said, you can eat from any tree in this garden that you want to, but this one tree, the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat from that tree. And to the day that you do, you will surely die. But what happened? They ate of that fruit. And we're still feeling the effects of that one sin today. Say, what's so terrible about eating fruit? Well, the ter- thing, terrible thing about eating that fruit was God told them not to eat of that fruit. Told them they could eat from any other tree that they wanted to. Just don't eat of that one. And he warned them of the consequences right up front. The day that you eat of it, you will surely die. And Adam and Eve began to die physically that day. But even worse than that, they died spiritually. Something happened to their relationship with God. Death is separation. Physical death is separation of the soul from the body. Spiritual death is separation from God. Eternal death is separation from God in the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. Death came into the picture. And the Bible tells us that the wages of sin for any of us is also death. Spiritual death. Physical death eternal death by the way physical death proves the reality of spiritual death and eternal death but i've got good news that verse doesn't stop there bible says the wage of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life through jesus christ our lord god doesn't want to condemn us he wants to give us a gift that's what grace is all about he wants to give us eternal life that we don't deserve he wants to give us forgiveness He wants us to have a relationship with him forever and ever and ever. And we find that believer's baptism is a symbol of our salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, our union with him. In fact, when we take the the folks back down under the water, it's a picture of of union with Christ in, in his death and his burial. And we bring them back up out of the water. It's a picture of Christ's resurrection and also our spiritual resurrection to walk in newness of life. Well, we don't just, when we become a Christian, we come into that union with Christ to have Him as our Savior. We don't just live for ourselves anymore. Who do we live for? We live for Christ who died for us on the cross at Calvary. And baptism is a symbol of that. And it's a reminder what salvation is all about our connection with Jesus. We find also it's an important statement of faith in Christ in 1st Peter chapter 3 verse 21 it says that baptism is the answer or the testimony of a good conscience towards God I hope everybody here this morning could say I've got a clear conscience before the Lord now none of us can say that because we've never done anything wrong there's not one person here including this preacher that could say, I've got a clear conscience before God 
because I've never done anything wrong. I can't say that. You can't say that. Good news, though. We can have a clear conscience before God because of what Jesus did for us. He died for everything I've ever done wrong when he died on that cross. He, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The son separated from the father, picturing the fact that he was paying the penalty for my sin. As he dies there on the cross, we find that the, the veil in the temple was split from the top to the bottom, indicating that we can have access to God. We can have a relationship with him. We can have a clear conscience before God because we can be forgiven. One of the most beautiful words in the English language, forgive. You know, when you've hurt somebody, somebody you love, maybe your husband, your wife, a parent, a child, and you admit what you've done wrong, you confess it, and they say, I forgive you. Those are some of the most beautiful words that you could ever hear. I forgive. And, and even greater than hearing a husband or a wife or a parent say, I forgive you, is hearing the God of the universe say, I forgive. I forgive. To hearing Jesus say to us, I died on the cross for you, and I forgive. Baptism's a public testimony of, of a clear conscience towards God. It's not bragging. It's not boasting. It's really thankfulness. I'm thankful for what the Lord did for me, and I'm willing for other people to know that Jesus is my Savior. And the great thing about that is if he can save me, you know what? He can save you. There's nobody in this room here this morning that's beyond the reach of the grace of Almighty God. He's willing to forgive any sin that you've committed. He's willing to forgive any amount of sin. He's willing to forgive anybody from any kind of a background. He, he, his death on the cross of Calvary was sufficient to provide forgiveness for every single one of us. And one of the other things about sharing this testimony is it can, can have an effect upon other people. When, when they see that, see other people who've come to know Christ as their Savior. One of the most wicked men to walk the face of the earth was Saul of Tarsus. I mean, he persecuted the church. He was on his way to Damascus to arrest Christians there and drag them back to Jerusalem. He was holding the coats when they stoned Stephen, the first martyr. And you know what happened? God saved him. Out of his grace and his mercy, he became the Apostle Paul, coming into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Out of God's grace, God's mercy. And Paul says he, he was convinced God saved him, so that could be a testimony to other people. Nobody's beyond the reach of the grace of Almighty God. What a wonderful thing that is. Can you say this morning, I got a clear conscience before God? Now, none of us can say it because we haven't done anything wrong. But are you forgiven? Are, are you cleansed? Have you been washed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ so that you can have a clear conscience before Almighty God? And what a great thing it is to have the hope that goes along with that. Earlier in that passage, it says we ought to be ready to give an answer for the hope that's within us. Great thing, when we got that clear conscience towards God, we've got a sure and certain hope of heaven. We've got a sure and certain hope of being with the Lord forever and ever and ever. We find also that the fourth reason, believer's baptism is so important, 
is because it is a, a show or a reminder, a demonstration to us as the church as to what our priority should be. What's most important for us? You know, people can get wrapped up in all kind of things they think a church ought to do. But, you know, the, the, the main thing that we have for our mission, our job, is to get out the gospel of Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're told that the, the, the gospel, the good news is that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And then it says, he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. That's our mission as a church, to remind people that, to teach people that, to remind ourselves of that, to live our lives with that in view. Christ died for our sins according to what it's spelled out in the Old Testament scriptures. And then on top of that, the death of Christ is extremely important but even more important than the death of Jesus is what follows that up on the third day. That's his resurrection. He was raised from the dead on the third day. There is somebody that died, spent three days in the tomb, and then came forth from that tomb. Somebody might be saying, well, how can I know what you're telling me this morning is true? How, why should I believe any of that? Because it's all based upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He claimed that he was going to give his life a ransom for us. He claimed he was going to die in our place. He claimed that if we came to him, we could be made the children of God. Why should we believe that? He rose from the dead. And he was seen by all kinds of witnesses. There in 1 Corinthians 15, it says he was seen by Cephas, and he was seen by the twelve. And it says on one occasion, he was seen by 500 brethren at the same time. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is an historical fact. And one of the most important things we do as a church is to get that message out. What's the difference between Jesus and Muhammad? What's the difference between Jesus and Confucius? Jesus is alive. Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus ascended to heaven. One day Jesus Christ is coming back again and we're going to see him face to face. And when that's the case, the only thing that's going to matter is what have we done with Christ? Have we taken him to be our Savior or haven't we? And as the church, we need to be reminded, the most important thing we do is we preach the death of Jesus for sin. We preach the resurrection of Jesus on the third day. And we preach that salvation by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. John 1.12 says, as many as received him, he gives the power to become the children of God. John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That what? That whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Acts 16, 31, the Philippian jailer asked Paul, what do I need to do to be saved before God? And Paul says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's our job as the church. Get that, get that message out. And you know, I've been saying a lot this morning that, that we're not saved through baptism. Baptism doesn't save anybody. Well, well why is that true? Well, the, what we read here in Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that. It tells us that we are saved by grace through faith. God's grace we respond to in faith, and that not of ourselves. It is a gift of God. It is not of works, lest anybody should boast. 
Baptisms will work. It's a work, it's a step of obedience that we take after salvation. Nobody's going to be walking around heaven bragging. You know, I got, I got to heaven because I got baptized when I was seven years old. Well, that's not, I got baptized when I was four years old. Well, that's not, I got baptized when I was uh, 21 years old and really, uh, really old enough to know everything that was involved in it. Nobody's going to be walking around heaven bragging. You know what we're going to do when we get to heaven? We're all going to be worshiping Christ and giving him thanks for his grace and his mercy by grace that we're saved through faith, not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, and that keeps people from boasting. Nobody's going to boast. Heaven is just going to be full of not boasting proud people, but thankful people. Our message is the church is to preach this gospel, to preach Jesus, because Jesus changes lives, and he also changes eternal destinies. And hopefully you're here this morning and say, hey, Christ changed my life. Christ changed my eternal destiny. At one time, I was a sinner on the way to hell, and now I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm still a sinner, but I'm saved by grace. And because of God's grace, I'm on my way to heaven. Last question, has Jesus changed your life? These folks all gave testimony this morning that they came to a place in their life where they put their trust in Jesus Christ to be their Savior, and they're still trusting in Christ as their Savior. If you're here this morning and you know Christ as Savior, isn't it great? Isn't it wonderful? Isn't that important? That's the most important thing. It's our relationship with him. And if you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus as Savior, my prayer would be that God would give you no peace today until you come to the place where you recognize you need a Savior, that Jesus is that only Savior, and you can have him by repenting of your sin, putting your trust in him, and then building your life and your eternal destiny upon Christ and him alone. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you for what he did for us on the cross at Calvary as he took our sin and he paid the penalty for every single one of them. Thank you he was willing to do that. Thank you that he offers to us eternal life and forgiveness of sin. Lord, I thank you for those that gave testimony this morning through baptism of their trust in Christ. Lord, I thank you for others that in this place that are trusting in the Lord Jesus for salvation, but Maybe they've never taken the step of believer's baptism. Lord, would you convict them? Show them the importance of declaring their faith in you publicly. And may they make the decision to do that even today. And Father, is anybody with us this morning that doesn't know for sure, 100% for sure, that Christ is their Savior? I pray they might even pray right now and tell you, Lord, they want to recognize they're a sinner in need of a Savior. And they want to take Christ to be their Lord and their Savior, even right now, today, this moment. Lord, work in hearts and lives, change lives, change eternal destinies. We'll give you the credit and praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you take your hymnals, turn to 404.